Amen. So we're Joshua 1. We uh, began to introduce the book. We'll, we'll go slow the first couple of chapters just to get a solid foundation. Uh, ultimately, uh, the book of Joshua is about the Israel entering into the promised land and beginning the conquest of the Canaanite people. Uh, in one one, Moses has died. Uh, in one two, well, let's read one one and one two. Joshua one one. Uh, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. So Moses has died. God says, I'm giving you the land that he promised to Abraham. Uh, And just looking, verse 5. I will not leave you or forsake you there at the end of verse 5. Then go down to verse 9. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Verse 17. Uh, Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. So uh, the circumstances are changing. Moses is gone. New guy is leading. Joshua, who has been Moses' assistant for a good while. So the people know him, but there's this promise that God will be with you wherever you go. Uh, And what could be more comforting, you know, uh, amid the challenges and the changing situation uh, that they're facing. Uh, And then verse 6, therefore, I will be with you in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. So you get that, be strong and courageous that goes all the way through the book. We'll see it over and over in the book as uh, as, as we go through the book. So there's confidence in the midst of changing circumstances, in the midst of a big task before them. These shepherds, these, these, this community of people who are God's people, the Israelites, are being commanded to enter in and to fight the armies. Uh, they don't have experience too much in that. They did a little bit on the east side of... Uh, the Jordan River as they came up, but uh, God says, God's promising, I'll be with you. And then he also says, therefore, it's time to go. Be strong and be courageous. What I want to look at a little bit, what struck me uh, uh, is verse 7 and 8. We looked at this a little bit at the end last week. He says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do all the law 
that Moses, my servant, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Um, somebody want to read? I need somebody to read Joshua 22.5. And then somebody to read Joshua 23.6 and 7. Somebody got 22? Who's got it? You got that. Who's got 23, 6, and 7? Sean has it. Okay. And 23, 24 is the last chapter, but in verse 1, 6 and 7 and 8, and then 22, you can, you can put that slide up, Glenn, if you would. What, what strikes me here is the call to be all in on the Word of God. And I just, I compared chapter 1 with 22 and 23. Three, and just look at some of these, uh, the emphasis of the importance of the word of God to these Israelite people, to Joshua and the Israelites. And all they have is what God told Moses, right? We've got the whole word of God. Um, but I just, I, I just highlighted some words, this word only, only be correct. Uh, again, a focus, an intention, uh, uh, a serious uh, only be strong and courageous. In 22.5, only be very careful. Uh, then the next line there, I have that word very. In one, it's be strong and very courageous. In chapter 22, it's be very careful to observe and to keep the law. In uh, 23, it's be very strong and courageous. So, I mean, there's an intensity, right? Uh, And what are we to be only strong and courageous about? To do, to observe, to keep, to keep and to do. There's a theme on the bookends of this book of Joshua, and then, of course, the law, the commandment, and the law, the book of the law of Moses. Twice we have don't turn from the right hand or to the left, chapter 1, chapter 23. And then 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 on my slide. All of the law, 
all that is written, that emphasis on every bit of it. And I think if we take that, how, how, how is your uh, passion and intensity toward knowing all the Word of God and then keeping and doing all the Word of God so that you might have success and so that you might be prosperous. Meditate on it day and night. Um, that's, uh, that's all that is. I just uh, thought the theme of on either end of the book of the intensity of the Word of God and the importance of the Word of God. We're talking about going to war. And yet, here, the introduction is verse 8. This book, of chapter 1, verse 8. You can, you can turn it off, Glenn. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written. Not just meditating on it, thinking about it, keeping it in your mouth, but keeping it in your mouth, meditating on it, so that you might do it, he says. Be careful to do it. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Reminds of, does that passage bring to mind any other passage? Which was, So David's words to Solomon as he's going, his final words to Solomon, be strong and courageous essentially and keep the word. Know the word and keep it. Psalm 1 and 2, who, know, who can, Psalm 1, 1 and 2, blessed is the man who walks not in the council, and I don't know what version I'm who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but he delights in the law and in his law he meditates day and night. And then verse 3. There's your prosperity with the same idea. And that's David. Psalm 1, right? Blessed is the man who walks not. And notice verse 1 is, is in one sense how we get trapped in sin. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. There's a progress there, right? walking and then stopping and getting in and then sitting down with the ungodly folks. That's the way. Uh, what's the old saying? And I, I'm sure nobody knows who first coined it. Sin will take you, what, farther than you want to go. 
Keep you longer than you want to stay. Cost you more than you want to pay. That's it. Uh, okay, and Jonah? So, God's word should be our delight, right? Uh, our lives should be lived out of the word of God and what it says. That's the only life that will be pleasing to him. Yes, Phil. Fully committed to the. Are you fully committed to the word? Are you, uh, you know, for again for those of Joshua's day, that's just what Moses got up on the mountain. The Lord dealt with Moses, and He took the law of God to the people. For us, it's the entire word of God. Here, here's uh, just to go keep going with that idea just a little bit. Um, you don't need to turn to these. I'll read them quickly. But Second Timothy two fifteen. Do your best. I don't like. Be diligent. That's the. It's the verb. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth, or rightly handling the word of truth. Be diligent to rightly divide the word of truth. Hebrews 4.11, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And so I'm out of context. You don't have the same sort of disobedience. But again, be diligent, he says. Strive, uh, as the ESV says. 2 Peter 1.10, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Be diligent to do this. 2 Peter 3.14, since we're waiting for these there at the end of 2 Peter as we, were, uh, we talked about the uh, return of Christ, be diligent to be found by him without spot, blemish, or blemish and, with, and at peace. Are we, dili- are we living diligent lives? Are we seeking to be, uh, what, without spot or blemish and at peace? Whether we're at home or away, Paul says, we make it our ambition to please him. For we'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may receive what is due for what he has done in the body whether good or evil. I mean, there's just that press. I, it, it, it. I mean, if you're busy, <laughs> you know, yeah, we're busy. Much of our day is already mapped out for us, right? I mean, it's kind of like 
uh, there's not a lot of discretionary time for most of us. Some of us have more than others. But what do we do for sure with our discretionary time? And it, that time that's mapped out for us, is it all necessary to be mapped out? Is, can we, can we uh, maybe uh, belay some of it? The old Navy term, you know, can we do away with some of it? Put it off. Yeah, well, don't put off what your responsibilities are, but some things, uh, is everything we're doing necessary? Is it what we ought to be doing? And with that busyness, do we have time to be diligent in the Word? And then to inculcate or bring it into our lives and make a difference. That's enough preaching. Let's go to verse 10. So we, we, uh, that's the introduction. The first nine verses uh, are the introduction. And now the second half, uh, I, I, I have in my notes the unity of God's people. Let's read it together, and then we'll come back and walk through it. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp, and command the people. So remember, they're, they're just north of the Dead Sea. I, sh- I could put the map up, but we will. they're on the east side of the Jordan, about to come across, and what's the first city they'll hit when they come across? Jericho, yes. But that's not till chapter 6. Isn't that right? Is it 6? Yeah. So there's preparation. They're on the east side of the Jordan. All of these folks, they've been wandering for 40 years. Moses dies. Our leader's gone. Joshua is taken up. God's made promises. In fact, the promises that were made to Abraham to take for the land are about to begin to be fulfilled. Okay, and so Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions, for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, who are the Reubenites? Okay, who are the Gadites? There we go. And half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. This land being distinct from that land that we're going to go take. Right? Right? Okay. This land, he says, verse 14, your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, here on the east side. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over, armed before your brothers, and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you, and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and possess it, 
the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. And they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go, just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as the as he was with Moses, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So let's think about this for a minute. What's going on here? Oh, well, since you asked, we'll go to Numbers 32. Turn to Numbers 32. Let's get the background on what's going on here. They didn't want to go across the river. Yes. Yes, they did. We'll just read some of uh, Numbers 32. Uh, what's, when, when, what's going on in Numbers? What era is this? Wilderness wanderings. I mean, we'll just... General Moses is leading. Now, verse 1. The people of Reuben and the people of God had a very great number of livestock. So Reuben and Gad. Here's the Reubenites and the Gadites. And they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, which is on the east side of the Jordan, kind of where they're staged, ready to go across the Jordan to take the promised land. And behold, the place was for the place was a place for livestock. So the people of Gad and the people of Reuben came and said to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the chiefs of the congregation, Adaroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Ella, Elia, Sebam, Nabo, and beyond. The land that the Lord struck down before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock, and your servants have livestock. And they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants for a possession. Do not take us across the Jordan. But Moses said to the people of Gad and to the people of Reuben, shall your brothers go to the war while you sit here? Why will you discourage the heart of the people of Israel from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? Here we begin to get this sense of unity. Why would you want to bust the unity? Why would you want to stay here and discourage the ten left who are going to have to go take this Take these Canaanite people. Your fathers did this when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. What is that referring to? Okay. What about the spies? Somebody tell us the story. Or, I mean, it doesn't have to be detailed. Okay, 12 of them. Okay. Caleb and Joshua. We could we could read the numbers. Is it twelve and thirteen or thirteen and fourteen? Thirteen and fourteen. They're coming up out of Egypt. They get to the southern end of the promised land. 
at Kadesh Barnea. Moses sends 12 scouts. We need to do some reconnaissance. We need to see what we're up against. 12 of them go in. 12 of them come back. Ten says, we can't do it. <laughs> Joshua and Caleb says, we're going. Let's go. We're going to do this. And so that, because of that, bad report from 10 of them. They have to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until the whole generation, 20 years old and older, die, except for Joshua and Caleb. And so now that they're up here, staged and ready to go, the whole generation has died off, except for Joshua and Caleb. And so that's what he, your fathers did that, he said, here in verse 8. Is that 8? Yeah, 8. Uh, for when they went up to the valley of Eshcol and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the people of Israel from going into the land that the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled on that day, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men who came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upwards shall see the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, none except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. And the Lord's anger was kindled against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all the generation that had done evil in the sight of the Lord was gone. And behold, notice what Moses says to these. Behold, you have risen in your father's place, a brood of sinful men to increase still more fierce anger of the Lord against Israel. For if you turn away from following him, he will again abandon you in the wilderness and you will destroy all this people. Um, so there's just some background of what's going on back in Joshua chapter 1. As, as the, uh, they're ready to go, and uh, the two and a half tribes ask for their inheritance on the east, uh, on the east side. Uh, Manasseh ends up being a part of this here. Uh, Moses seems to suspect a conspiracy, if you will, where in verse 14 of Numbers, uh, behold, you have risen in your father's place a brood of sinful men. So Moses is... Uh, 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 leery of what they're trying to do, they just want to. They don't want to have to go across in the uh, and be part of the conquest um, to discourage and dishearten. And so this rebellion that of these two tribes kind of put the unity of God of God's people at risk. Uh, and so it's a cri critical issue if we were to read the rest of the section, some stipulations are laid out. Okay, you can have this land. We read it in Joshua 1. You can have this land here on the east side, but you're, you have to, you can fortify your livestock. The women and children will stay back, but you got to go fight the battle until the land is conquered. And then you can come back and occupy your land. That's what, what is happening here. So Reuben and Gad and half of the, and the half of the tribe, verse 
half of the tribe of Manasseh, verse 16, they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded we will do, and wherever you go we will send us. So they're more than willing to maintain the unity of the people. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we'll obey you on you only. May the Lord your God be with you as he was, was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And so they say, well, okay, we'll do it. Uh, and so to maintain the unity, which is um, one of the commentators I was reading said, unity in the church is no idle luxury. Uh, we don't have to be, we can't be in our church anymore, we can't be best friends with everybody. There was a time when we were, you know, 30 people and we could be pretty good close friends with everybody, but that was a long time ago. We can't be friends with everybody, uh, best friends with everybody, but we don't want to be agents of discouragement and disappointment to anybody. All right? Um, we encourage one another to love and good works. We stir up one another when we uh, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves uh, together. That's the importance of being in church. I was talking to someone this past week, and I just said, you know, when you're not here, we miss you. The church needs you to be here. I said, well, you know, I'm nobody. It doesn't matter when I'm not here. Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, it's part of the body that God has assembled here. If you're here because God has brought you here, has called you here, if you're not here out of disobedience to God, you're a member of the body that God has assembled at Providence. And whether you think you're just a pinky finger, a little toe, or, or some insignificant person, you know what happened when the, your little toe is very important to your balance. Every, per, every person in the body is important. That we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And so when we do assemble ourselves together, we're called to encourage one another to love and good works. That's Reuben and Gad uh, and this half tribe of Manasseh who wants the land, but they're willing to maintain the unity in the church. I appreciate them for that. Anybody, anybody got anything to say? Anything to ask? Anything to add? Okay, so we've had one funeral, Moses. We have a new leader. Let's go to the end of the book. We got three more, um, three more funerals we'll look at, and then we'll come back to uh, chapter 1. Look at chapter 24, the last few verses. Remember, God is fulfilling his promises. Uh, we want to... Chapter 24, verse 29 to the end. So this is the very end of Joshua. 
After these things, so uh, Joshua has done all the conquering Joshua is going to get done. After these things, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in his own inheritance at Timnath Serah, which is in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gaash. Or Gaash, however you, I did. Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. As for the bones of Joseph, Um, what's the bones of Joseph? What's that about? Okay, yeah. Joseph didn't want to stay in Egypt. How long have we been gone from Egypt? 40 years, and then all of, jo- all of uh, Joshua's life. They've been dragging Joseph's bones around. (laughs) As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem, in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the fathers of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance to the descendants of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. So... Uh, just as Moses and Aaron were leader and priest, Eleazar and Joshua were leader and priest, and now Eleazar has died, and they buried him at Gibeah, the town of Phinehas, his son, which had been given him in the hill country of Ephraim. And so we're, we're, we're passing, uh, another age is passing by, right? Uh, Joshua is gone. Um, so... Um, uh, it's significant where everyone is buried. They buried uh, Joshua in his uh, place there in the country of Ephraim. They took Joseph's bones and buried him in the family plot, and they buried Eleazar in Ephraim near where Joshua is buried. And uh, where are they being buried? in the land that God had given them. Uh, They died, but their tombstones are monuments to the faithfulness of God to his promise. Uh, You know, think about the bones of, think about Joseph. As he is dying, he says, when you leave, take my bones. Joseph was living in the promises of God. When you leave, not if you leave, when you leave, take my bones and bury me in the land that God has given us. He's over Egypt, he's in Egypt, he's not of Egypt, and he doesn't want his bones to stay there. And so he makes that dying request. Hebrews eleven twenty two by faith... Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave direction concerning his bones because he fixed his eyes on the promised land. Uh, 
Yeah, that's in Exodus. You know, God will visit you. You shall carry up my bones from there. And now they've laid him to rest. So five or six hundred years, I don't know exactly how long. We don't know exactly how long it's been since the promise came to Abraham. But the passage of time does not negate the promises of God. Uh, we found that out in Second Peter. Uh, God's timetable is not according to our calendars. So Joshua, Joseph, Eliezer are dead, yet they speak, they speak about the faithfulness of God, bringing them into the promised land at the end. Um, there at the end, uh, verse 31, Israel, 2431, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel, almost as if whoever's writing Joshua is anticipating the next book. What's the next book? Judges. A generation has died. A new generation comes, and in Judges chapter 2, verse 10, all that generation also were gathered to their fathers, the Joshua generation, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that was done for Israel. Um, So, can the church continue when the eyewitnesses are gone? That was Paul's concern when he wrote the three pastoral letters at the end of his life to Timothy and Titus, the next generation. Um, that's, that was, again, one of the commentators. Here is the continual danger of second-generation religion. And the more you read, you'll find it's the third generation. Uh, It's the first generation's grandchildren that very often will lose the vision of the original generation. But he says, can can the, uh, uh, the continual danger of the second generation, will we remain faithful, warm and faithful without uh, the nudging of our spiritual mentors? You know, we've all had spiritual mentors, right? When they're gone... Do we, does the Lord sustain us? Do we, can we make it? Can we keep going? Um, Will we in the next generation become spiritual mentors to the third generation? Have you been mentoring someone as you are in the middle in that second generation? Who's going to pass it down? Parents to children. Church leaders to the congregation, one-on-one to each other. Titus 2 women, where the older women help the younger women learn to love their husbands and take care of their families. The danger, the continual danger of second-generation religion. We didn't see the crossing of the Jordan or the fall of Jericho, but we still cling to the promises of God given to his people. 
even then. So uh, the three graves, the witness of fulfillment of God's promise, but not completely, right? Already, but not yet, he began to fulfill the promises, some of the promises. You know, it says, how did Genesis end with Joseph's death? Deuteronomy ends with Moses' death. Joshua ends with Joshua's death. Uh, Psalm 90. So we have Genesis ends with Joseph's death, Deuteronomy with Moses, Joshua with his. The sting of death is in the midst of God's faithfulness. Psalm 90. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 and even... By reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. They are soon gone, aren't they, Warner? Brother? They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? There's a sense in which we're living under the wrath of God just in the fact that people are dying, right? I mean, that's that's the sting. But... Unlike these Old Testament saints, the Lord Jesus has come. And he has conquered death. Already he has conquered death. Not yet, but already he has conquered death. In the last chapters of the New Covenant testimony, right? What's the end of Matthew? Go therefore and make disciples uh, after the resurrection. Mark, after the resurrection. Luke, after the resurrection. John, after the resurrection. Then how does Revelation end? The final consummation of it all. That's the privilege with the responsibility that we have a greater privilege and a greater responsibility to live on this side of the cross. Yes, sir. Praise God that the church didn't belong to the eyewitnesses. Mm. Praise God it's Christ's church. Yes. The gates of hell will not prevail as we are the ones who are approaching and offending the gates of hell. We, they, are, they cannot withstand. We're now the church militant. Right? We are a church at war. We'll be victorious and triumphant completely one day when we see the Lord Jesus face to face. Mm. So we got to stop here. Let me just go through... Uh, uh, we didn't get to chapter 2, did we? Okay. The theme of Joshua. God is faithful to give Israel the land he promised Abraham. The foundation is God's covenant with Israel, with Abraham, 
with Isaac, with Jacob. The key is God's presence. I'll be with you wherever you go. Wherever the sole of your feet trod in Canaan, you will be prosperous and victorious if you follow me. The means, how, what is the means to accomplish all of this? Warfare. Right? They have to go fight. God is giving them the land, but they have to go take it. The impediment to taking it? Sin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sin. What keeps us from being victorious? Sin. And the fulfillment is the inheritance. We, know we, don't, we have an inheritance reserved for us in heaven, right? It won't fade away. Nothing can make it, diminish it. And then, but we don't, it's reserved for us there. But we have a down payment. We have the earnest. We have the down payment of our inheritance, the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And that's the promise that that inheritance is safe and secure, the Holy Spirit living in us today. So that's where we are. Uh, we'll get to Rahab and the spies. Got a good spy story in chapter 2. Any, any questions or any comments? Any helps? Any uh, doubts? Okay. Father, we thank you for promises. Father, we pray that you would help us to be people of our word. That we might be diligent to be found in you spotless, blameless. We might strive, Lord, to know you and the power of your resurrection and even to be content and rejoicing in the midst of sufferings because we have a hope. We have the promises that everything is working together for good, for your glory, for our good. Help us to cling to the promise and to live in the power of the Spirit according to your word. Thank you that you've said we're more than conquerors in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.